Coming to you from the heart of the heartland, you're listening to Life Chat, a podcast designed to help independent agents make life easy. It's important to note the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of EMC National Life. Now it's time to get things started. Let's join our life insurance team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life Chat. I'm Carly O'Connor-Pels, Marketing Communications Specialist with EMC National Life, and joining me today is Life Sales Manager Dylan Whitney. Hey, Carly. Excited to be here. Thanks for being here. And Senior Life Sales Representative Kurt Till. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me back. You're always welcome, Kurt. If you've been following along, you'll know we've been promoting our Simplify Life campaign throughout 2022 which helps to simplify life insurance for both agents and their clients. We've had a lot of great discussions over the last past year, so I thought today we could recap everything we've covered so far. Does that sound good to you guys? Yes, sounds great. It does. That was a fast year. It was. So in April of 2022, we had our first Simplify Life podcast. We talked about virtual sales, and Laura Buskey was our host. Uh, So question for you guys. How has the life insurance sales process changed since COVID-19? Has it become easier, harder, just different? I think it's become a lot easier. Um, you know, like the accelerated process and virtual sales, that was that was coming along, but I think COVID just sped it up a thousand times faster. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, big question to start. I mean, it's impacted a lot of different uh, areas and in how we do business from the standpoint of uh, not only from an agent's perspective, where now our sales team is um, having to work different with agents, um, not all of them are in the office anymore. So we're doing more virtual meetings with agents. Um, maybe there's one or two in the office, some aren't. So it's just uh, they're a little bit harder to catch for our sales team, but also for the uh, insureds, it's, um, you know, the process, sometimes it's things like COVID or outside things that, uh, force your hand a little bit on some things. And so, um, you know, with that, we've, I think, stepped it up in uh, the virtual, the remote sales standpoint. I think that's been good for everybody. It's been well-received. It's funny because we've always had virtual conferencing for how long, but rarely ever used it. And now it's, you do more virtual conferencing than you do face-to-face meetings, it seems like. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, the whole work from home thing. I think companies are trying to figure that out too. And uh, I know some other companies in the industry that uh, are still 100% work from home. I know some that are bringing people back uh, really almost full time. Nice. Thank you both. So do agents overall, it sounds like they like the virtual selling over being in person with clients or do clients not always like it? I think it's 50-50 with agents. The insurance business, it's always going to be a people first business. I think I think people like being face to face, but sometimes the virtual, it just it's it's just easier. Yeah, I would agree and especially from um, just a a time management standpoint, uh, you know, going to get things hard copies signed that you can now do remote virtually, take apps uh, virtually, fewer miles in the car and maybe a little bit more efficient from that standpoint. I think it's very regional. Like if you're in a place that's pretty rural. I think the face-to-face probably works better. That's just what they like. But if you're in a bigger city, like say Atlanta, and you're doing, you have a client that's on the other side of Atlanta, that could be a three-hour drive. Yeah. And I think to your point, Kurt, where it gets interesting is adding value, right? Um, We're independent 
agent-focused at EMC National Life, know that there's uh, some consumer direct companies. And so as agents, how do we continue to add value when we're not in front of clients knee to knee? And so um, you know, I think that's something to be conscious of in this business. All good points. So our next podcast, our next Simplify Life podcast featured Kurt. And in it, we discussed is life insurance through work enough? So some things we hit uh, that coverage may not be permanent. So if you lose your job or quit your job, you lose your coverage. It might not be enough to cover income replacement, mortgage, things like that. So what would you guys say to someone who thinks that their life insurance through work is enough? I would still agree with all those points. I know. Whoever hosted it did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wow. Well, yeah, it was your podcast. Of course you're going to. Like a lot of other things, diversification. I think it's great to take advantage of the life insurance that's offered through work. A lot of times it's guarantee issue, which means it's quick, easy to enroll. It's inexpensive. So those are great life insurance options. Usually free, if not cheap. Exactly. But what people need to remember is, okay, uh, maybe my health has changed in my tenure with this company. And if and when I ever leave, sometimes those benefits uh, either don't travel or can be expensive to take with. And so that's where... I think diversification, having something that you own, in addition to the workplace uh, offering is uh, is a smart thing to do or consider. It's a good point, doubling up on coverage. And the younger you are when you purchase life insurance, it's usually cheaper. So our next podcast featured Dana Boner, life sales representative, and we talked about is life insurance expensive? Um, So this is a really common misconception, and Dana provided a really good statistic. Nearly half of millennials think life insurance costs six times more than it actually does. Can you talk about why young people might assume that life insurance isn't really necessary or is out of their budget? What advice do you have to agents? I still always wonder why they think it's so much more expensive than it is. Like, where did that come from? I don't know. Right. I probably thought that too before I got a job in life insurance. Maybe just because it sounds so <laughs> such an adult thing. Or maybe because at that age we have no money. Yeah, everything's <laughs> expensive. <laughs> yeah, right. Milk seems expensive. Right. Eggs? Yeah, well, eggs are expensive yeah. now. Anyway. Yeah, I think it just is a, is a misconception. And I know um, a few of our products are set up in a way with a slider or a drop down where applicants can see what another 10000 would cost them. And what they often find out is it's, uh, you know, 2 $3 a week. And so I think that puts it into perspective for people that, uh, you know, for a, a soda a week, I could have maybe another $10,000 of life insurance. So, yeah, I would say ask your agent. It, uh, it, my guess is you'll find out it's not near as expensive as what you might think it is. And, and purchasing it when you're young, no matter what anybody tells you about life insurance, it's all based off a term rate. Every year you get older, every year it's going to get more expensive. So the younger you are, and typically you're going to be – you're going to be healthier when you're younger. So that's two major pluses on it being very, very cost effective. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that too, is uh, that's the advantage of locking in a whole life too at a young age is you're guaranteeing, you're guaranteeing yourself future insurability. So if something should change, you, you go in for annual physical, you find out you're diabetic. Um, you know, life insurance becomes a whole lot more difficult, a whole lot more expensive where if you do lock in a whole life policy while you're younger, healthier, um, it's something you can keep forever, and then you can uh, kind of stack term onto that for, for the short-term liabilities, mortgages, autos, credit cards, et cetera. A lot longer to build cash value, too. 
Exactly. Very good tips. So our next podcast featured Gary Hoger, and we discussed the best time to buy life insurance. That that kind of ties into what we've been talking about. So it's obviously better when you're younger, when you're healthier. And we've promote the life stages. So these are times when it makes sense to get life insurance or at least review your coverage. So that's getting married, buying a home, having children, paying debts, estate planning, and final expense. But then there's also times like opening your own business or starting your own business um, where it makes sense. So how do agents know when to reach out to clients to review their life insurance needs or check and see if they need more life insurance? In my mind, it goes back to that add and value. Um, You know, it's going to be more important than ever as more direct-to-consumer options are available for um, potential insureds. So it's, uh, you know, checking in quarterly, monthly, yearly, whatever it might be to see what's changed for them. So not only does it add value, is it good for relationship, but it's a good uh, checkpoint just to see if maybe they did get married or they had a child um, and uncover some of those potential life insurance needs and opportunities uh, to really, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're trying to be their risk manager. And those types of questions not only grow relationships, but make sure you're, you're doing your job. I know when I got married, my uh, car insurance person sent me a congratulations card. So then I checked into how much life insurance was through their company. And it was much higher than EMC National Life. So guess who I went with? <laughs> but nice, nice tactic. Nice, uh, nice idea to send the postcard. Yeah, it, it worked. Yeah. Good idea for agents. Good research. No, I think, I think all good agents, you know, ask the client how often you want me to touch base. But I think an annual review, at least an annual review every year is a good idea. Yeah, a lot can change in a year. Because especially, you know, we, we, we sit in the, in, the, in the life insurance world, in the risk management world. So we're constantly thinking about it. But your people out there that don't live in our world, you know, they're not really thinking about that sometimes. Like updating beneficiaries or, you know, I need to up my life insurance because I bought a house or had a kid or something like that. Yeah, and it's never too late. Um you know, I would say better late than never. Um, so maybe because of cost, you don't buy as much at 50 than you, as you would have at 30. But it's having something in place. Something's better than nothing is, is really always been my philosophy from, from that standpoint. And every, every client's, their timing's all going to be different. That's why you take the time to meet with them and stay in touch and be their risk manager. Our next podcast was with Steve Miller, and we discussed how much life insurance does your client need. So I think a general rule of thumb you might hear is, uh, you know, seven to 10 times your annual income. There's some calculators out there, um, but really just ask your agent to go through a needs analysis and look at, again, really the the short-term debts, you know, maybe something more long-term if you want a whole life. Um, but really it's, it's just the amount's going to vary for everybody. But again, I think it's um, whatever you can afford first. Yeah, I think that goes back to the, to the agent and knowing your client. Every, there, there's no magical number on how much you need. It's, everybody's going to be different. Every, everybody's situation is different. You know, income replacement might, might not be important to Carly. It may just be covering the home. Paying for college may not be important for me you know, or to my wife it may be income replacement. So it's sitting down with your client, figuring out what's important to them. Yeah. And the last thing I've seen, you know, I would say don't ever put some, uh, someone into something they can't afford because I've seen it happen. And what happens is they turn around, 
Um, you know, especially I've seen it happen payroll deduction wise where they haven't seen it come out of their check two or three weeks later, a month later, they see it come out of their check a few times. They call and instead of lowering the face amount, they just canceled. So we went from helping that person to them canceling and now being back to the situation where they have no life insurance. And so I think, uh, like we've talked about asking the right questions, really getting them into something that makes sense, uh, product wise, but also something that they can afford will, uh, will be advantageous for everybody. I think, I think it's important to find what, what's, what's the correct benefit number and then go from there, figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. We also have, I always think it's interesting too. We always look at face amount and then we do price. We also have, uh, charts or tables where if someone knows what they want to spend, you can kind of back into or figure out what the face amount is from, from that standpoint. And so I don't think those are used enough. Um, cause yeah, a lot of people backwards. don't know. Right. But it's a, it's a pretty slick way to do it. Cool. Thanks guys. So our last Simplify Life podcast, it featured Brian Browder, and we discussed adding value to your accounts by writing Workplace Life. I've heard this topic mentioned before. What does making accounts sticky mean to an agent? And what does that have to do with Workplace Life Insurance? On the PNC side, retention is a huge, huge thing every year. You know, they, they can shop this insurance every year and maybe go with a different agent or a different company. So you, you get these agents that deal with, say, commercial insurance. You know, they're, they're writing the, covering the building. They're covering the equipment, covering the fleet, probably doing the workers' comp. You know, that's four lines of business you don't want to lose right there. Why not insure the employees? And then Limer statistics will show you once life insurance is in place, retention rate goes through the roof. And the more lines of business you have with a client – the less likely they're going to leave you. So made it sticky. The bigger that ball of yarn gets, the less likely people are to want to unravel it unless something uh, should happen. So, yeah, it uh, like Kurt said, there's statistics out there that back it. We don't, I don't have them in front of me, but um, it's interesting. Go, go look at them. It's interesting. You'll see going from two, three, four lines of coverage, how dramatic. It's in the 90s, I believe, the retention rate. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. And it's a better use of your time to focus on the accounts where you already have relationships and sell other products in there uh, as ways to generate revenue than to pick up the phone and start, you know, cold calling because you're going to have a lot more success in rounding out the account you already have, capitalizing the relationships you already have versus starting over. So you already just, trust what you're doing. So yeah, you've done the hardest part. You've got a relationship. They, they trust you, you know them. And so, um, yeah, way easier. Makes sense. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Life Chat. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, or if you want to be a special guest like Kurt and Dylan, they've been great today. Send us an email at lifechat at emcnl.com. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Carly. <laughs>